morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Wonderful to see your lovely faces this morning. My name is Jalen Baker. I serve as the pastoral resident here. And I feel so good today to take, take, take a break from announcing the announcements. <laughs> Rachel Suarez kindly filled in for me, but I'm thinking that she's going to hand it back to me next week. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be back up here next week announcing the announcements. We are so excited to be diving into this series of Philippians. Next week, we'll actually be in the book of Philippians. We're doing a build up to that, and, and, and this is going to be the last week of that build up. We're in Acts 16, 25 through 40. Just for a few minutes of your time this morning, I want to title this sermon, this sermon, Remember God. Remember God. Let's go to God in prayer real quick. God, thank you so much for this time to hear from you through your living and abiding word. God, this morning, we come to you right now Submitting ourselves to your truth, your revelation, your glory, and your presence. Help us this morning, God. Encourage us, convict us, and inspire us through your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning in our text, we find Paul and Silas facing persecution for the practice of their faith in Jesus. You know, as I was thinking about this this week, church, it reminded me of the experiences of the early American church, the early, the early Christians in this country. It reminded me of those enslaved Africans who were stolen from their native lands and brought here to live under a brutal slave system. The glory of this experience, though, is that they were introduced to the gospel of Jesus. The glory of this experience is that, that they actually received Jesus as their Savior. And this is really important. Because because they received Jesus as their Savior, this allowed them to experience the fullness of their humanity even under a system that tried to dehumanize them. But there's a catch here, though. Because under such a system, they were actually prohibited from practicing and conducting their own church services, right? If they were caught praying, singing, or teaching, they would be beaten, they would be flogged, or they would even be sold. There's also a catch here, too, because even though they were prohibited from doing these things, they could not accept the gospel and the Bible that was being preached to them by their slave masters. A gospel and a Bible message that, 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 said that, that said that they were inferior human beings, that said that they were second-class citizens, and that said that they should be obedient and docile to this control. But these enslaved Christians, I point that out, these enslaved Christians said, no, we're not going to accept this. So Albert Rabato, the great religious scholar, said that these slaves created what he calls an invisible institution. And they would turn to this invisible institution to get an authentic biblical and gospel message that affirmed their humanity, that, that, that called them children of God, born and created in his image, and that told them that this Jesus of Christ died to save them and set them free. They had to turn inward in their own communities, and they had to go through extraordinary measures to 
keep these services secret from the eyes of their slave masters. What did they have to do? Calvin Wood, an enslaved preacher, remembers how they would thoroughly wet quilts and rags and lay them out. And behind these quilts and rags, they, they, they would huddle up, right? And they would preach and they would sing and they would pray. And these quilts and rags would keep their voices from penetrating the air. It was also documented how the slaves would steal away or go and sneak off into the woods. And in the woods, they would, they, they would huddle up in a circle around a speaker who was also on his knees. And on his knees, he would be bent over a vessel of water, preaching and praying and singing to drown out the noise of their praises. And the most common device they would use is that they would, they, they, they would have iron pots or kettles and they would turn them up side down to keep, to, to quite literally catch the sound of their voices from entering into the air. What they would do is they, 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 they would put these pots and kettles in the middle of the cabin floor or, on, or at the doorstep and they would ever be so slight, they would, they would be propped up ever so slightly to keep their prayers and their songs from leaving that very room. I shared this history with you this morning, church, not because it's black history, not because it's black church history, but it is our history. This is the history of our people, the people of God, right? It, it, it's a demonstration of how the Holy Spirit can inspire the people of God, even under devastating circumstances, to access him, to be with him, to abide with the Spirit. Right? It's, it's a demonstration of how God, in the midst of devastating, hard, and, just, and, and just hard circumstances, responds to his people and will give them innovative and creative strategies to access him, even when they are told they cannot. This is the story of the invisible, and it's our story. It's the story of our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? It's also an example, right, of how for, for us, it, it, it's a resource for us that we can turn to this invisible institution and we can learn from them and say, you know, when there are people in my life, when I live in a society or a world that is bent on, 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 on my oppression, on, on my inferiority, or trying to make me feel inferior, bent on pe people are trying, they're, they're bullying me, they're brutalizing me, they're, they're, they're trying to make me feel lesser than. These enslaved people demonstrate that the word of God stands in the gap and says that just because they say you are one thing, it doesn't mean, what, it doesn't mean that God says that thing. God says you're an image bearer. God says you were created in the image of the most powerful being in the universe. And because God said and God saw fit for you to be here, you are somebody. You are somebody because God said so. And that is the only word that, that, that you need to stand on. And if, and if there was ever an example of, how, of, of a people who embodied this, it was the invisible institution and those enslaved people. This is our history. 
This is our story. And it's remarkable, even in today, as Obey was praying through this morning, when we look at, at, at what's happening to the Ukrainian church, there is a heritage, a tradition even, of the church being persecuted. But there's example after example after example of the church still being the church because you cannot silence the spirit. You cannot silence, silence God. So it's important that we look back on this history the same way we look back on the history of the early church in the New Testament and in the Acts, which brings us to our text this morning. We find ourselves in our text this morning at the backdrop of Paul and Silas. They were tortured, they were beaten, they were flogged, and now they find themselves in a maximum security prison. And what do we, what do we find them doing? They're singing. My Lord, my Lord, these dudes sing. Kirk Franklin, Hillsong, Elevation Worship, they singing, y'all, in the prison after being beaten and tortured for the practice of their faith. And <laughs> I was reading this text this week, and it reminded me, growing up in the black church, this is a very popular text in, in black church, it reminded me of my dad. He would get up in his Baptist fervor and voice. In the New King James Version, he would get up in the pulpit and just shout out. And at midnight, Paul and Silas were singing. And the church would just scream, yes! Woo! And I was a young kid, and I was like, why are these people yelling at my dad? Like, all he's doing is reading. He's just reading. Why y'all yelling at my pop? Y'all usually don't yell to the end of the sermon, but y'all yelling at him when you read the scripture? What's going on? But as I, kept, as, I, as I grew up, I understood why they were yelling. Because there's something about the midnight hour that deeply resonates with the human experience. What do you mean? We as people are good at putting up a front, right? We'll go throughout the whole day. How you doing? I'm fine. I'm good. Put on a strong face, right? But when midnight comes, when we find ourselves quite literally in our darkest hour, the veil of our hearts are just torn. We can find ourselves crying ourselves to sleep. We can find ourselves just weighed down by the stress and the burdens of just, of just everything happening in our lives. We're overwhelmed and we're filled with anxiety because we don't know what's going to happen next. Fear cripples us. And it's in the midnight hour where it just all comes straight to the center. And Paul and Silas demonstrate that even in our darkest hour, here it is. God hears you, God sees you, most importantly, God is for you. He's for you. He is quite literally our Father in heaven. And he says, child, I'm right here. I am right here as you're crying these tears. I'm right here. As you are feeling overwhelmed, I hear you. 
I affirm you in every single way. You matter so deeply because you matter to me. Right? And it's also in that midnight hour, and, and, and I love this, we find them singing. Why is this important? My dad used to always say when he preached a sermon, never forget your song. Why is that important? Here it is. When we sing in the midnight hour, when we sing in our darkest hour, right, we are reminding ourselves of who God is. We're reminding ourselves of the character of God, the attributes of God. And I want you to picture this, right? When we sing in the midnight hour through our tears, through our fear, through our pain, it is as if we're literally running to our Father and saying, Dad, I'm, I'm hurting. Dad, I need you. We, we, we're running to him. We're grabbing hold to him. Dad, I, I need you so badly. Life is too much. Help me, Father. Help me, Dad. And as we're singing, and as we're running to our Father, you know what he does? He hugs us right back. We're fully in his embrace, right? It's almost as if as we're singing in the midnight hour, we're reminded and we're encouraged, we're inspired. We, 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 we can see another end. That's not an end that our fear leads us to believe in, right? I think I speak for all of us and say that we've all been in a midnight hour. We've all experienced a midnight hour. Some of us right now might be in the midst of a midnight hour experience. But God says to you and I, as he embraces us right back, child, look up. Look to me. I want you to look at me now. Look to me. Side by side. Hold my hand. I want you to follow me now. Because just because it's midnight doesn't mean morning is not coming. Joy cometh in the morning. And God says, I'm going to lead you to your morning. But you got to hold my hand. You got to follow me. Right? You can only get to your morning on my turn. So look to me. Don't, don't, don't let your fear drive, drive yourself away from me. Because the existence of pain, tragedy, and, 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 just, and just trials and tribulation, it doesn't mean that God is absent. It honestly means that it's an opportunity for us to allow God to be our anchor. God is right there. And God is really, he said, life is hard. Stuff happens, but it does not mean your morning will not come. You gotta hold my hand though. You gotta follow me. And always know that I am with you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm right here. I'm right here. And Paul and Silas demonstrate that in the midnight hour, we sing hymns and praises to God, sometimes out of doubt, 
sometimes out of fear, but we still sing because we know that our God hears us, he sees us, and he is for us. He's for us. And the next part of this story is a beautiful demonstration of what can happen next, right? So as they're singing in the midst of what they're going through, right? They've been tortured. They've been beaten. They're in jail unjustly, right? They, 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 they have not earned this punishment, but, but yet they're here. God looks at this. He sees his children, and he says, I want them to be free. I want to save them from this. Huh? And what happens? An earthquake happens. It quite literally opens the doors and releases their chains. Now, I, I don't want you to miss this. Whatever is happening in your life, you have to believe that God can quite literally shake things up in such a way that it will release you from whatever is binding you in your life, right? It might be fear. It might be, it, it, it could be whatever it might be in your life, what's happening to you or your family, whatever it might be. If you keep singing, you keep believing, you're holding God's hand, following him. God will quite literally shake the foundations of your life and set you free on his terms, right? It might not look the way you want it to look, but God sure will set you free. Go back to the invisible institution, right? I'm sure there was some of the enslaved that were like, yo, I want to I be free from, from this system. I want to be free from, 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 my, from, from what's happening to me every day. And God said, I'm going to show you a different freedom. The kind of freedom that will allow you to endure just like my son had to endure. Come on, family. Just like my son had to endure. I'm going to allow you a kind of freedom that will allow you to have joy that the world can't take away. I'm going to give you the kind of freedom that will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. Right? That's the kind of freedom I'm going to give you. And that's the kind of freedom that will truly, 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 truly set you free. Don't let this world define what freedom is for you. I'm your God. I'm your Father in heaven. I'm your Savior. And I got your back. I got you, fam. Every step of the way, I got you. Right? So whatever is going on in your life, God has you. God got you. And he knows what freedom means to you, for your family, in your life right now. Right? And in this case, freedom from Paul and Silas meant getting released from prison. But, but I don't want you to miss the, 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 the scope of what's happening here. Right? So they get released from prison. What the, what their chains are sh shaking off. Doors are open. And we meet an interesting fellow. Interesting cast. Prison guard. Prison guard is like literally sitting back like, oh my God, an earthquake. Since when did we start getting earthquakes over here? What, what, what's going on? I ain't never seen an earthquake in my life. An earthquake? And he sees the prisoners, the chains are off, the doors are open. He's like, oh my God. This happened on my watch. Which means at that time, 
because they were released on his watch, it usually meant death and torture. So he was like, well, it's in the line for me, fam. So he tried to take his own life. But Paul was like, yo, no, 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 no. We good, fam. We all still here. We good. Don't, no. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it, man. Don't, don't, don't do it. See, so he, so, he, so he rushes over. He said, yo, thank y'all for not leaving. But yo, I, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm in a mess. Like, if I don't figure out a way to get out of here, I might die and be tortured. So how can I be saved? Like, how can I be saved from this situation? And Paul, being the evangelist that he is, <laughs> so, you, you want, oh, you, oh, so you want to be saved? Oh, oh I, I got the answer for you. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. And the prison guard's like, huh. That's not quite what I was going for. So you're saying that for me to be saved from the mess I'm in right now, I got to believe in, uh, you said his name was Jesus. Jesus? I got to believe in Jesus. That is an interesting proposition. But, you know, y'all are still here. Y'all haven't left. So, obviously, something's happening. An earthquake just happened. So, there's some things going on here that I can't quite explain. So, I'm going to go your way. I'm going to go your way. And this is very important. Right? Because I want you to catch Paul's instinct here. Paul's, Paul's released. He's been set free. And what is his first instinct? To save somebody else. He's been released from, released from his chain. And what does he want to do? Release someone else from their chain. Right? And, and, and here's the thing. Paul teaches us, right, that when we're interacting with the world, we have to interact with them from a Christian worldview posture, right? Because here's the thing. He comes to Paul saying, I'm in a mess, and I need to be saved. And Paul looks at it saying, okay, so you say you're in a mess. When I hear that, you're in a mess of adultery and sin, human rebellion, right? You're in the mess of this world that is deeply corrupt and broken, and fam, you need to be saved from that. So I can show you how to escape right now and live your life. But once you escape, you're still shackled. You're still in chains. You still won't have access to the kind of freedom that will actually set you free, that will actually give you the experience of what it means to be alive. And how do I feel alive? You got to be like Jesus. How do I know what it's like? How do I know what the human experience is actually supposed to be? You have to look to the greatest human, and he will show you, right? Paul was able to see through, look underneath that question and say, you're in a mess. There we go. Back. So Paul is able to see underneath it and say, you need to be saved from it all. And, and this is how powerful God is. God says, I want to save you from both. I'm an either or kind of person, not a 
not, I'm, 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 I'm a both and kind of person, not an either or. It's not either or. You either, you either going to be set free here and not here. No, no, no. I'm going to set you free from both. I'm going to free you twofold and allow you to experience the fullness of your humanity by being free. So Paul teaches us here that when we're in the world, interacting with people in our sphere, give me the language last week, in our sphere, right? We have to be aware of the welfare of people's souls, right? We have to be aware of, of, of the status of someone's soul. Because here's the thing, church, if we're not aware and if we're not worried about that kind of stuff, who will be? Who else will be? We're in those environments, we're in these communities put there to quite literally be concerned about how someone is doing. Not just on the surface, but also underneath the surface, right? And Paul teaches us that quite clearly here. You know, I was imagining the last time I worked in a, in a I guess you can call it a secular space, but I was in Chicago. I, could, I was imagining if my coworker came up to me and was like, yo, so I'm hungry, fam. I think about getting something to eat. I want to get full real quick, get through the day. And I feel like Paul would be like, huh, you want to get full? So you want to get full? So that food going to make you full, but will you be like full, full? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> My coworkers be like, um, are you good? Are you okay? Like I literally was asking you just if you want to go get something to eat real quick. And I'm like, I feel you, but I'm just playing. I, ain't, I, I wouldn't say that. You can say that if you want to. That, that wouldn't be my approach. But I think for me, what I'm learning, Paul the OG, but he was about his business. He, he, he was out there with it, really, for real, for real. But the intentionality of saying, you know what, hey, let's go get lunch, my treat, and let's talk about your story. Let's talk about, you know, I'm going to invest time into you and who you are, right, and as you are, and as we're sharing each other's story, I'm gonna share, I'm gonna share my story of how I've been saved, of how I've been set free, right? The intentionality of investing in someone's humanity, investing in their story, opens the door for you to share the story of how God has transformed and changed your life. Planting that seed of the spirit within them to make them inquisitive, to make them question, right? And to make them turn to a source that's gonna be able to answer all of the deepest questions in their lives. It takes that intentionality, right? And this is what it can look like for us to be concerned about the welfare of other people's souls, right? Because again, God does not just save us for our own good. He saves us to save through us, frees us to free through us. And if there was ever an embodiment of what this looks like, it's the OG Paul. Paul was about it, man. He said, I gotta, somebody got to be concerned about y'all's souls, and it might as well be me. It might as well be me. But it takes intentionality. It takes investment, right? And here it is. Is this scary? Absolutely. 
Very, very scary, right? Is this bold? You better believe it is. Very, very bold. But this is where we have to rely on the Spirit, right? We have to realize that we're not alone in this, right? One prayer in the morning as you're praying your prayers, you're like, hey, God, in my workplace, in my community, anywhere, I, anywhere you have me, open my eyes and show me who you want to invest in. Show me the person who you want me to be intentional with and sharing who you are. That prayer will fundamentally transform how you look at the people in your environments. Because now you're concerned about the welfare of their souls. And that's what we're called to do as Christians. That's what we're called to do. So back to the story. Paul, there's a man, hey man, or if you want to be saved, like for real, you got to accept Jesus. Got to accept him. And dude's like, man, I already know who that is. But, bro, this, you, you free. You were locked up. And now look at you. You ain't got no chains on you. You're, you, you're free. So there's something here. And, and, and he accepts Jesus as a savior. And, and, and at that time, how it would work is that when the leader of a house would accept Jesus, the entire household would accept Jesus. So Paul, being bold enough to evangelize in that moment, to share Jesus in that moment, right, it impacted souls beyond that one person. My God, my God, right? Multiplication happened. If God uses you to save somebody else, it keeps going. You're rounding third, going to home. It keeps going, right? We're going to keep this thing moving, right? Because now that I saved somebody through you, I'm going to use them to save somebody else. And, hey, guess what, church? That's how the world gets better. The world gets better when people know Jesus, right? And, see, we have to genuinely believe that, fam. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to genuinely say to ourselves every day, you know how to make the world a better place? If people know Jesus. People know Jesus. And God's saying to us, I want to use you to tell the story. To tell the story of salvation, transformation, and how the world changed the one man. My son, Jesus Christ. And I love this, too, because when you, when you look at what Paul does here, it truly is the simplest summary of the gospel, of the good news, and of the Christian message, right? When we think about what must I do to be saved, it's not go to church. It's not read your Bible. It's not you got to be in touch with your inner spiritual self. It's not even having this, this life of devotion. If you want to be saved, quite simply, proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. That's it. That's salvation. Proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. And from that proclamation, the outflow will be good theology. The outflow will be a devoted life. The outflow will be worship and all the things it means to be a child of God. But the first step, 
the fundamental step. Jesus Christ is Lord. And when you think about this interaction with Paul and the, and the prison guard, it really sort of vibes with the entire theme of today's message. When you need to be saved, when you need, when you are in need of, of, of salvation from anything in your life, what do you do? Take to Jesus. That goes for a new Christian or a mature and older Christian. Anytime we are in need of salvation of any sort, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Even in the midnight hour, turn to Jesus. Right? And, 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 and that, that is the fact. Because here's the thing. It doesn't mean that there won't be follow-up steps, right? So Jesus is not a genie that you just rub him and you turn to him and everything's okay. No, that's not how it is. But when you do turn to him, again, right, there's this transformation on the inside of you, right? A transformation of perspective, a transformation of, 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 of mindset that because I'm turning to Jesus in the here and now, I'm, I'm going to trust him and believe in him that he will lead me to freedom, right? I'm going to be reminded that he is a liberator, that he is a savior, and because he is these things, things I have hope now because that's what we so desperately need when we're in the midnight hour we need hope it's like we lost all hope and we have we have we have submitted to fear and Jesus said there's no need to fear hope is alive because I am alive hope is alive because I'm here and because I'm here I got you I got your back. So when we're in these moments, critical thing, remember God. Remember who God is. Remember what God said and believe that he will be faithful to everything he said. All right. The last part of this story I find kind of funny. So Paul's released and we're in verse, uh, the, let, me, let me just read it real quick. Close this out here. Uh, we are in verse 31, or is it 33? Let me get it real quick. Three, here we go. All right. Let's pick up at 35. Okay, here we go. But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police saying, let these men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said, this is, I find this funny. I'm going to tell you about it in a minute. Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us away secretly? No. Nah. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that the Roman citizens, that they were Roman citizens. So they came and they apologized to them. They took them out and asked them to leave the city at once. So when they went out of the prison, they visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they were encouraged and then they departed. So here, catch this way, catch this, catch this. So the reason that Paul wants 
a public releasing by the officials. Y'all want to know why for real, for real? It's because he knows we just planted a church in Philippi, and I cannot leave here with my reputation fully intact. Because guess what? The folks in Philippi gossiping. They out here spreading rumors. Yo, y'all hear about Paul? He in jail. Say swear. He in jail for real? Hey, bro, let me tell you, I heard he killed somebody. He killed somebody? No way. Where you hear that from? I can't tell you where I heard it from. But we're on the streets that he killed somebody. You lying, bro. I'm just saying. And Paul, no. They out here gossiping in, Philippi, in the Philippi. So, hey, I need the head official to come see me to let the world know. Hey, man, you innocent. To let the folks in Philippi know. And work at the Philippi. I say, hey, yo, Paul got released. Oh, he got released. I knew Paul was, was legit. Were you just talking about him? Yes, nah, bro. You know, I, I knew in my heart of hearts. Paul was a cool dude, man. I knew he was. I knew he was. Paul know how it is, man. He knew how he know how it is. He know how it is. Right? And that transitions us into next week when we actually go to Philippi. And Philippi believes that Paul is a legit dude because of because of this act here, right? So he, he had to make sure he left this place with his reputation fully intact. As we come to the, as, we, as we now come to a close, and the worship team rejoins us on stage. Two things I want to leave with you, church. Just because you're in a midnight hour does not mean your morning is not on the way. Just because you might be in a midnight hour does not mean that God has forgotten you. It doesn't mean that God has forsaken you. It actually means the opposite. In the midst of your midnight hour, God is clearly, so clearly, hear me when I say this. He clearly sees you. He clearly hears you. And he is clearly for you. And in that midnight hour, don't forget your song. Do not forget your song. Because your song is going to be the thing that's going to run you to your father and say, Daddy, I'm tired. Daddy, I'm, so, I'm just so tired. And he's going to embrace you right back. I'm with you. I'm right here. And hold my hand. And let's go to your morning. And remember, as God is leading you to your freedom, he's leading you to your freedom. Why? So that you can free somebody else. Be concerned with the welfare of other people's souls. Vitally important. Let us pray.